Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Well, good morning. Last week when Sarah was preaching, she threw down a challenge for me. She was about halfway through her message and she said, you know, I've noticed that in this series on the book of James that Josh had a food-related title, Nick had a food-related title, and then she had a food-related title. It was all coincidental. It wasn't planned. And so she's like, so Sally, I know you're preaching next week. How about you come up with a food-related title? And I'm like, okay, challenge accepted. Um, But it sort of probably uh, didn't quite pan out for her because then I spent the rest of her sermon thinking, my gosh, how can I turn this into a food-related theme? But anyway, I got there. So today, the title of my message is Craving Junk. I don't know about you, but I love junk food. Who else here loves junk food? Yeah. Um, My enduring forever kind of love is chocolate. That's my number one, always most important in terms of food in my life is chocolate. Um, Has to be milk chocolate. I don't like dark chocolate. Don't like white chocolate. Has to be milk chocolate. Flavours are fine. Like flavours, definitely milk chocolate. You know what else I really love is a good, proper country South Australian apricot turnover. And it has to be that pig fat fake mock cream. Can't stand that rubbish real stuff. Ugh. Like I want it sugary and buttery and fattery. Fattery? Fattery. Whatever. I want it like that. I love a good apricot turnover. Now look, you know, I like lots of other food as well. Um, Like for example, I will eat lollies. I do like lollies. I probably don't crave them as much as I crave the first two and that sort of bakery goods. But you know, you stick a bowl of lollies in front of me and I will put a good effort in. I will eat them. Chips, I'll do the same. I don't necessarily go looking for chips, but you put a bowl out and I will make sure that bowl gets emptied. Um, And I also, you know, there's nothing better then you know when you've had a really big busy day and you haven't got any meat out of the freezer and then your husband says, let's just get McDonald's. And you're like, oh, you know, just a Big Mac and salty fries and a Coke and you're just like, oh, yes, yes, I could so go that. The problem with all of this food is it all tastes amazing, those first few bites. You know, it just hits the spot every single time. You're like, yes, that is so good. But like, and if I probably stopped after those first couple of bites, I'd probably be okay. But I tend to be a person who commits. And so when you get to the end of the block of chocolate, the end of the bowl of lollies, the end of the apple turnover, the end of the Macca's meal, I don't know about you, but I'm always like a bit like, what started off so good never tastes good in the end. You're always left dissatisfied and feeling yuck. And the worst thing with all of this, it's that whole, you know, a moment on the lips, forever on the hips. You know, it starts off good, but it's going to have these long-term horrible effects. When you contrast that to healthy food, healthy food is something that you can eat now and is going to be good for you now. And it's going to be really good for you long-term. And we all know this. We all know this. We all know this kind of food is better for us than the other page that I showed you. But I don't crave this. I don't look at it and go, oh. I don't. Yeah, steaks, I'm saying. I don't look for it the same way. And I think the reason is because when I eat junk food, it gives me instant gratification. 
Like the minute it's in my mouth, it feels good. And the other thing about junk food is it's so easy to eat. It's so accessible. It's so much easier to grab a chocolate bar, and all I have to do is unwrap and eat, than it is, you know, to get some fruit and peel it and cut it up and put it in a bowl and get some yogurt and some nuts and all that kind of stuff. And then you get dishes to wash. You know, it's a lot more effort to eat healthy than it is to eat junk. But one is good for us always, and one of us is really bad for us. Um, it's not good for us. So this series that we're doing on James, we're on James chapter 4 today. And if you've missed the last three sermons, can I really encourage you, go back and listen to them. Now, many of you would know that you can listen to and watch our sermons on YouTube. Um, but we also have an app that was introduced at the start of this year. And can I encourage you, I know a lot of you downloaded it. Um, if you've never downloaded or got it, go to our help desk afterwards and someone can help you get that. Um, but even if you've downloaded it, I think a lot of people have then kind of forgotten about it. And so I want to encourage you, it is so good. Um, two things in particular. One, you can go in and you can click on the sermon and not only can you listen to it, but you can click on this button called Notes and you can actually download a written summary of the sermon. The high level, all the notes, the key points, um, the scriptures. It is a great way, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the week, if you just open that up and just read over it again, it reminds you of what we looked at on the sermon. The other thing I can encourage you is you can go into the reflect section and see scriptures from the previous week's sermon. And then there's just one or two verses for each day that are from that sermon and what a great way just to remind yourself about what that message was that's my little plug for the app done okay so we're doing this series on James I encourage you to listen to the other ones but some of the messages from those um, those earlier chapters of James are really around this idea of that faith should outwork in our actions that faith without works without doing good things is kind of a dead faith and also Sarah talked about and, and James talks about um, making sure that we get our wisdom from God, that our earthly wisdom is not going to lead us down the right pathway. But when we seek God's wisdom and his advice, that's when we can have things go well. And so in James chapter 4, we get to James giving some examples of what it looks like to live out our faith with actions. But I want to be really clear, as I read these scriptures, you're going to see James is super blunt. Like he's not one of those kind of guys that softens the edges and says things in a nice way. He just says it as it is. And it can come across like he's got a big stick and he's just like, do this, do this, do this, don't do this. Um, and that's not the heart of this book. And that's not the heart of our loving father. And I want to encourage you as we go through this, this is God telling us, like a good parent says to their children, don't eat the junk food. It's not good for you. Eat the good food. I have a, a heart for you that I want to see you do well in life. I want to see you have energy for life. I want to see you be healthy and have a good heart um, that's functioning and to your older. So eat the good food. Don't eat the junk food. And that's really what James is telling to us. So he's saying the things to avoid, the junk food that's bad for us that we should avoid, are things like being jealous, being proud, criticising and judging others, and being self-confident. And these are all things that, that um, are, come as a result of focusing on ourselves. But he says, have healthy food instead. What we should do that's good for us is we should be content, we should be humble, we should examine ourselves, and we should trust God. And all of these things come when we focus our energy on God rather than ourselves. 
And our loving Heavenly Father says to do this, not because he's like, oh, you're going to be in trouble if you don't. He's saying it because he's like, this is the best way to live your life. This is a way that's going to bring joy to you and to the people around you. This is what um, I want for you. This is best for you. So let's get into the first one and look at the first one where he says, he tells us not to be jealous and instead to be content. James chapter 4 verse 1 says this, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Jealousy is wanting what other people have. Seeing what they have and thinking, I wish I had that. And the problem with jealousy is, is it rarely stays internal. It usually outworks in us doing things. Not necessarily fighting wars, although that certainly has been the catalyst for wars happening in the past. It doesn't mean we're going to go and fight, you know, do fisticuffs with people because we're jealous and try and steal things from them. Although, of course, that has happened too, where people steal things from people because that's what they want. But even just in everyday life, jealousy can affect the way we interact with other people. It can affect the choices and decisions that we make. Because when we see someone else who has that better car or that better house or that better spouse or that better children or those, those uh, better um, shoes. I mean, I was reading up about someone who killed someone literally because they were jealous of their shoes. They want, and they killed them and took the shoes. I mean, it's awful. I mean, jealousy causes us to be discontent with what we have and makes us go looking at what everyone else has and pushing to do whatever we can to get it. But this is junk food. When we seek to get those things that are going to give us pleasure, that are going to make us feel better about the way we look or the way we dress or the way our house is or any of those things, it might give us that instant gratification initially when we get the better house or when we get the nice shoes we might be like yeah wow how good am I but it doesn't last because when you have a jealous nature when you're constantly thinking about I want this and I want that then there's always going to be something more there's always going to be someone who's got something better than you someone who's faster than you someone who's smarter than you someone who's more talented than you someone who's more famous than you there's always going to be someone who is more than you And so it will never satisfy in the long term. Instead, the healthy food thing to do, what James tells us to do is to ask God. If there's something that we want, ask God for it. But he does say we should ask with the right motives. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God wants to give us good things. He's a loving Father. Just like we love our children and want to give good things to them, if our children come and ask us for water or fruit or, um, you know, to do, can I go do exercise in the backyard? Yes, yes, yes. You know, we're going to say yes to the things that we know are good for them. If we ask God for grace, for mercy, 
for contentment, for forgiveness, for love, for kindness, for patience. He will give us those things because He knows they are good for us. And we can go to Him with our requests for things too. Like you might go, do you know what, God, this house that I'm living in is just not working for our family. We're so cramped. This is not working. We need a bigger space. Or do you know what, this car just keeps breaking down. Or I would really love to get married one day. I'd really love to have children. Or I'd really love a better job because this job is driving me crazy. That's okay to come to God with those requests and say, Lord, please, I would love these things. But in that, we should say, okay, God, help me to be content with what I have. Thank you, Lord, that I have a house. Thank you, Lord, that I have my health. Thank you, Lord, that I have a job. Thank you, God, that I have friends. Thank you, God, for what you did for me on the cross. Look for the things that we do have and say, thank you, God, for them. Help me to be content while I wait for you to give me the things that are good for me. So instead of jealousy, which is all about what I want, I want this, I want that, we should be craving And we should say, God, help me to crave this, to say, help me to crave contentment. Help me to be content with what I have. Yes, ask you for those things that I have in my heart, those desires of my heart. But just to say, okay, God, help me to be content with what I have. And so I encourage you, that's my first challenge for you today. Is there something that you've been really jealous of? And you might not have called it jealousy, but where you've looked at other people and gone, man, I wish I had nice teeth like them. Or I really wish... You know, I had a job like that or I had as many friends as they do or whatever it is. And I encourage you to say, okay, God, thank you for what I do have. Here is what I would love and I pray you give me wisdom if that's what you want. I pray you show me how to go about getting that in a good, loving way. But in the meantime, help me to be content. The second thing James tells us is to not be proud. He says, don't be proud. Instead, be humble. In James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, and then in verse 10, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honour. You know, pride is saying, I'm great, I'm awesome. Look at what I did. How good is what I did? How good is that? This is so good. Wow, but you couldn't do that. Look at what I've done. And some people are very vocal about Um, their pride and in fact you see that a lot I see it a lot in social media in movies and that kind of thing where people like I am the greatest I am so good look at what I've achieved posting photos of all their you know things just to get people to say wow you're awesome and other people don't do that but inside they're very quietly smug when they achieve things they're like yeah I'm pretty good I struggle with both of them if I'm going to be really honest I've always struggled with pride. I can struggle with the opposite too of feeling like I'm not good enough. But then on the alternate, when I do well, I can be like, wow, I'm really good. Um, When I first moved up here to Adelaide as an 18-year-old, I moved from Mount Gambia from the country to here, the big city. And I came to this church, Portside, which had a bit of a reputation back then. People used to call it Portside 90210 because, and anyone who's like under probably 35 is like what are you talking about but there was a big tv show called 90210 which was about like really glamorous women and men um, in Beverly Hills and that was kind of the reputation that Portside had because the girls just dressed 
beautifully. They were really gorgeous girls. They had their hair done, their makeup done, they dressed really well. And they were really lovely people. Um, but for me, coming from the country, I felt super intimidated. You know, we wore jeans and druggy shirts, which is checked shirts for those of you who don't know. But like, that's what country people wore. And I remember feeling really intimidated. And so I went, I sort of looked at what everyone was wearing and I went shopping. And I bought these black fitted pants that flared out at the end because flares were back in in the 90s. They're coming back in now. It's really disturbing. Um, so I bought these black fitted pants. I bought a lime green fluoro top and an orange fluoro top because they were in as well. And I bought these big, thick platform black shoes, like platforms like this. And I remember I was meeting Josh in the city, and so we're meeting in Rundlemore. And I was walking down Rundlemore with my black fitted pants and my fluoro top and my um, platform shoes, and I was like, you know what? I look right, you know, I felt really good. I was like, I look really tall and slim because of the shoes, and I'm dressed the right way, and I felt really good about how I looked. And you know what happened next, right? Of course. My ankle went because it wasn't used to wearing platform shoes. Thankfully, I caught myself before I hit the pavement, but um, I did a very spectacular wobble that I'm not going to try and replicate or I will fall. Um, but it was extremely embarrassing for me because one second I'm like, I'm so awesome, and the next second I'm, I'm almost on the ground. And I always remember that whenever I hear the phrase, pride comes before a fall, <laughs> because that was literally what happened to me. And... That is what happens with pride. You may not fall over, literally, but there's nothing like puffing yourself up and thinking how awesome you are before everything comes crashing down. Pride is junk food. It makes you feel good in the short term, but I tell you what, it is not a lasting satisfaction. Because even if you do succeed, like I said before, someone else will come along who does it better, faster, has better shoes, a better fluoro top that will look better than you and do better than you. Healthy food is instead being humble. And humility is not um, going, oh, I'm useless, I'm worthless, no one would ever want me, I'm a terrible person, I'm bad at everything. That's not humility. That's actually disrespecting a child of God. You know, don't speak like that about yourself. That's awful because God loves you. He died for you. He made you. He has a purpose for your life. You are valued and you are chosen. So we shouldn't speak like that about ourselves. That's not how God sees us. Humility is understanding where everything you have has come from. It's understanding that your body, your brain, your abilities, your gifts and talents are all from God. It's understanding that you don't get there simply by your own effort. That yes, we work and yes, we try and yes, we practice. But ultimately, everything we have is from God. I love this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verse 12. Moses warns the Israelites before they enter the promised land. And this is what he says to them. He says, when you've become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did this so you would never say to yourself, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. 
Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. I love this because they had come from slavery, like being the lowest of the low. And then God is bringing them into this land of plenty. And he knows that it's just human nature that they're going to forget. And they're going to forget that God has literally handed it to them on a silver platter. And it's not through their own effort. All they did was be obedient and God blessed them. And he's like, don't forget. And I think that's a really good encouragement to us. And that's what James is saying too to us. Don't forget. Don't forget who gave you life, who gave you that brain, who gave you those gifts and talents, who gave you your health, your energy, those, the family that you have, the friends that you have, the connections and opportunities that you have. Always be thankful to him. You know, my parents are here today. Hi, Mum and Dad. Nice to have you here. Um, and the one thing they always taught me was they, and they said this to all of us kids, they said, you can boast to us all you like. Like if you get an A in a school report or you win a race, that never happened to me, but you know, like if theoretically something like that happened, you can come home to us and you can tell us and we'll be really happy for you. You're allowed to boast to us. But they would say, you can't boast to anyone else. Not to your siblings, um, not to your friends, not to, don't go around your class and go, woo, guess what I got? They'd always say, just keep quiet about it. You can come and tell us, but don't go boasting it to everyone else. And I always thought that was really good advice. I've said the same thing to my kids. I've added in that they can boast to their grandparents because I figure that's okay. But when we feel proud, when we feel those feelings welling up within us of like, oh, I did a really good job. The thing to temper that, to balance that, is always to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I know I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you, God, that you're the one who did it. And what it does is it takes that pride and it just knocks the edge off it. <laughs> it just brings us back down to earth. And we go, thank you, God, I know it's for you, from you. In James chapter 4, verse 10, where it said that when we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up in honour. When we humble ourselves and remind ourselves, thank you, God, that it's you who did it, then he honours us. He gives us praise. He lifts us up and gives us that recognition that we crave. So avoiding junk food, we want to stay away from pride, which is about I am awesome, I am great, I am so good. And instead, let's crave the healthy food, that humility of saying thank you, God, for what we have. And so that's, again, my challenge to you today is if you struggle with pride, if you struggle like I do, where I, you know, when you actually do something, you're like, yeah, I did it. It's to say, okay, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that everything I have is from you. The third thing James talks about is not judging others. In verse 11, he says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticise and judge each other, then you are criticising and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbour? I struggle with this one too. <laughs> now, there's a difference between criticising and judging. Criticising is seeing all the good and then just picking out that one fault. And judging is seeing people's choices and decisions and going, mm, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. That's not the right way to do it. But they're both in that same field of basically putting others down 
and lifting yourself up. Now, in my job, in my business, one of the things I'm paid to do is edit and proofread. And as an editor, like in editing and proofreading, your job is to look at all the good and pick out all the mistakes. And it's actually a good skill to have, something I get paid to do. Someone, people ask me to do it. They appreciate me doing that because I'm helping them not look stupid um, when they go to put that document out to a client. And so that is a good skill, being able to pick fault. What's not so good is that when, when that sort of translates into your home life. Business life, fine. Home life, not so good. And I know that's something I have struggled with, with Josh and my kids and probably everyone, is that I see all the good they do, but then I'm like, but you did it the wrong way. Like, that wasn't the right way. And one thing in particular, I don't know why it's such an issue for me, but I have a particular way I like things done with my tea towels and hand towels and chucks or um, dishcloths. I don't know if anyone else is the same or maybe if I'm alone this. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Um, But like, to me, a hand towel is for your hands, to dry your hands with. A tea towel is for dishes. Um, A chucks that sits on top of the sink, on top of the tap, that is for dishes and bench tops. And then the dishcloth that is under the sink is for floors or outside, that kind of thing. Can I get an amen? Amen. I think that's the way I should go. But apparently not everyone in my household agrees with that or has that same philosophy. And it's amazing how many times I have yelled at Josh, like literally gone, what are you doing? This is the wrong one. When he's gone to clean up a spill. Instead of going, thank you, honey, for wiping down the table outside, I have said, why did you use that one? Like, that's the wrong one. Now I've got to throw that out and get another one. It's like it's a 20-cent chalk. <laughs> and I get all caught up because it's not using the right one. I mean, the other day he came and noticed a spill on the kitchen bench and grabbed the hand towel and, and wiped it. And I skitzed at him. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, you can just wash it, Sally. You can just wash it. Anyway. I very much struggle with being critical and being judgmental. And I don't know if any of others of you um, struggle with this too. But it's like junk food. It actually feels good in the moment when you criticise someone and say, oh, I can't believe they did that. And what are, they, what are they thinking? Or when we're judgmental or critical. Because it makes us feel good. Because we're like, well, I wouldn't have done that. I, didn't, I noticed that mistake. You know, I wouldn't do it that way. I do it the right way. And so it puffs us up. It makes us feel good because we get it right and they get it wrong. But in the long term, all that does is end up creating conflict in our relationships. And it's so easy to find fault in others and not see it in ourselves. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, it says, Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your own eye. In your friend's eye, sorry. So instead of picking fault with other people, James tells us in verse 11, your job is to obey the law. Our responsibility is to do what we are meant to do and not worry about what other people are doing. So criticism and judgment saying, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do that, that's junk food. Instead, we should be craving that healthy food of saying, okay, God, when we start to get critical, the challenge is instead of going, oh, they shouldn't have done that, say, okay, let me not worry about what they're doing, Lord. What am I doing wrong? What am I, where am I stuffing up? Help me to obey you and do what is right. The last one is in James chapter 4, verse 13. It says, 
we shouldn't be self-confident. And that sounds like a bit of a strange phrasing. It's hard to put this one into a word, but um, it'll make sense as we read it. Look here, you who say, today and tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Self-confidence is saying, I will. I am going to do these things. I have set a plan for myself and I am going to follow through. Now, Josh and I love making plans. We love planning out things. Josh is very much a vision guy. He kind of thinks in 5, 10 years, 15, 20 years in advance. And we've already planned out our retirement. Like, we've got it sorted. We're in our mid-40s and we're like, when we retire, we want to get acreage and we want to, you know, Josh can have his orchard and I want a creek going through it and I want to have a nice house and I've got all these plans of things I want to do. And I've got plans for now too. I've got plans of things I want to do in the house, around the house with renovating. I've got plans in terms of my own, you know, writing and things like that. I've got plans in terms of my children and, you know, holidays and we've got lots of plans. And it's good to plan. It's good to think for the future. But what this scripture is telling us and reminding us is that we have no control over the future. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen in five years or ten years. I could never have predicted the global pandemic. I wouldn't have predicted that this flu would so suddenly get so bad. You know, we sort of thought we're over all of this and then the flu comes. Like, I don't know what is going to happen in the future. And so I can plan and I can dream. But as this scripture tells us, we should always add, if it's the Lord's will. Because our heart should be, Lord, you know the future. You made the heavens and the earth. You know the past, present, future. You know what's going to happen. So I'm stupid to go around running around saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. Instead, what I should say is, gosh, I'd really like to do this. But Lord, what do you want? What's your will for my life? Maybe you don't want me to retire in Acreage. Maybe I'm going to retire in New York City. I could handle that. Midtown. You know, like God knows where he wants us to be. And so rather than be foolish and go around boasting about what we're going to do, let's always say, Lord, this is what I'd like, but Lord, what do you want? And let me do what you want because you know what is best. Self-confidence is junk food. Self-confidence is saying, I will. I will do this. And instead, we should crave the healthy food of saying, of trusting God and seeking his will for our lives. And so my challenge to you today is there's something that you've been wanting, you've been planning for, you've been dreaming. Maybe it's a job change. Maybe it's a different house. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, big decisions. Then pray and say, God, is this your will? This is what I want to do, but what is your will? So in summary, James chapter 4 challenges us and encourages us to shift our focus from ourselves to him. And that's really what this whole message is about. It's not about don't do this and do do this. It's saying when you do these things, when these sinful feelings rise up within you, take your focus off yourself and begin to focus on God. And that will change everything. Avoid the things that are focusing on me, like jealousy, I want, pride, I am, criticism and judgment, I wouldn't, and self-confidence of I will. 
And let's move to focusing on God. Contentment, asking God. Humility, thanking God. Self-examination, obeying God. And trusting, seeking God's will. It's not about doing more or trying harder. It's about shifting our focus. We can only do it with God's strength. Yeah, can I get the band to come up? We can only do it with God's help. When we become a Christian, when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour and to forgive us for our sins, God comes and dwells inside of us. And the Holy Spirit can help us, convict us and challenge us that when we're feeling these feelings of pride or self-confidence or jealousy or criticism, He can give us that little niggle that says, ah, oh, this is not a good way to be. When we feel that conviction, let's turn our eyes to Jesus. You know, when I showed those pictures of junk food earlier, some of you would have gone, oh, yum. Ooh, I could go some chocolate right now. But I bet some of you looked at that and went, ugh, yuck. Yeah, I knew you'd say that, Sandy. <laughs> because do you know what? You get a desire for what you eat. When you are feasting on good food, it takes a while, but when you're eating good food, you actually begin to despise junk food. It becomes unpleasant and unappealing. Why would I want to put that in my body? That's horrible. And you begin to crave that good food. You see the fruits and vegetables and lean meats and all those things and you're like, yes, my body wants those things because I know it's good for me. And the more we live God's way, the more when we get those feelings of pride or self-confidence and all those things, when we, the more we do that and then shift our thoughts to Jesus, the more we shift our thoughts to Jesus, the more we shift our thoughts to Jesus, the easier it is to do it. And the more we'll begin to despise those things and think, I don't want to live that way. I don't like that. It's not good for me. So today as we worship, my encouragement to you is if God has been challenging you about any of these four areas, then I encourage you to spend some time talking to God about it. If you've been struggling with jealousy, say, Lord, help me to be content with what I have. Here's what I would like, but help me to be content while I'm waiting. If you've been feeling really proud about yourself for something, say, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what I have. Thank you that it's all from you. When you've been, if you've feeling, been feeling critical or judgmental of someone else, maybe you walked in today and someone irritated you or you thought, oh, they didn't do that very well or you've come with a bit of an annoyance at a spouse or a child, then I encourage you to say, God, forgive me. Help me to just leave them in your hands and show me what I need to change. Where did I go wrong in that situation? And if you've been busy making plans and haven't consulted God about it, Take some time to say, Lord, well, this is what I've been thinking. But Lord, what do you think? What's your will? What do you want me to do? Because when we have the healthy food, not the junk food, that's what helps us grow strong and have energy and live a good life. Lord, we thank you that we can just come running into your arms. We can come running to you with all our faults, with all our flaws. We can come running to you with all our worries and all our circumstances. We can come running to you with everything that concerns us and know that you just have your arms held out, outstretched, waiting for us. That you invite us in. You ask us to come in. You send your only son, Jesus, so that we could come into your presence boldly. 
And Lord Jesus, we bring you all of our worries and fears, our challenges and our faults today. And we say, Lord, help us. Forgive us for our sin. Help us, Holy Spirit, to follow your way. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we commit our week to you. Help us as we come across these little things in our lives, jealousy, pride, self-confidence, criticism. Let that just be a bit of a trigger and a warning to us to say, oh, thank you, God. Forgive me. Help me. Help me put my focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.